is Talking Sports with Evan. I want to thank you so much for tuning in uh, to all the past shows I've done, especially today. And uh, lots to discuss today in the world of sports. Um, Milwaukee Bucks had their draft uh, pick selected, number 24 overall. Marjan Bochamp, uh, new Milwaukee Buck. Going to talk a little bit about that selection. Pat Connaughton also returning uh, on his option. Um, kind of a surprise there. I I'm not a surprise that Connaughton is returning to Milwaukee, just the way he did it. Um, talk some Packers a little bit. They're 50. The Athletic put out their projected 53-man roster. I'm going to talk about that and then talk some Milwaukee Brewers baseball. But before I do go into that, um, so my show, sports, talk response in sports, talk national sports, um, but I honestly believe I'd be doing a, a disservice um, to the women in my life, the women I know, the women I don't know, um, if I didn't briefly touch on this subject. So Roe versus Wade has been law of the land for 50 years. I think, what, 1974, almost 50 years. Um, it's been law of the land. Um, we... I'm a belief, I'm pro-choice, you know, I, I am a person that believes that medical decisions should be between medical professionals and the people who are seeking that medical advice. And that same goes for women who are seeking medical advice on their reproductive system and their reproductive rights and what is in their best interest. That is my stance. Um, and Roe versus Wade being overturned yesterday, Friday to me was ridiculous and it's disappointing and I'm not I'm, I'm trying to say this um, be, before people like think you know I'm not mad at the Supreme Court um, I'm not surprised at the Supreme Court's decision I'm not I can't really say it to them either because it was expected you know this has been the writing on the wall all the way since uh, the first Bush when George H.W. Bush appointed Clarence Thomas, it was a, a long game by the right to uh, to to eventually overturn Roe versus Wade. You know, that, that is kind of what it was. It was a long game to overturn it. Then you had Bush, George H. or George W. Bush appointing Roberts and Samuel Alto to the court, you know, moving it more and more extreme to the right. And then uh, Trump became president well first they the senators blocked um former president obama's ability to name a supreme court justice in the last year of his presidency you know he named sotomayor and kagan and he tried to have another um appointee to, to the supreme court and that got blocked um you know he tried to put not the current attorney general merrick uh garland on that got blocked and then Trump names three, and Neil Gorish, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Connie Barrett. Um, Amy Connie Barrett, um, October 27, 2020, she was appointed. Um, the presidential election was not even a week later where Trump lost the election. So, of course, you know, Obama's last year in office, he can't appoint a person because it should be left to the other you know, whoever comes next, the election's coming up. It needs to be 
up to whoever is next, where President Obama um, nominated his person March 16, 2016. Um, Trump nominated Barrett September 29, 2020. Very close to the election. And yes, I know Trump was ending his first term, the possibility of a second term, but hey, it should have came down to whoever won the 2020 election. That's the president precedent that was set back in 2016. And of course, we we move rules around to better fit what we we believe, what we want, um, things like that. So this has been in the works all the way since George H.W. Bush, when he put Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. And then you had Gorish, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, the three most recent appointees, during their confirmation hearings, all said the same thing. Roe versus Wade is the law of the land, and we, you know, it's it's is what it is. It's already been decided. Roe versus Wade has already been decided. That is what all three of them said during their confirmation hearings. But of course, they say one thing and they do another. That, that's politics in general. It doesn't matter if you're left or right or in the middle. Politics is a game of doing one thing or saying one thing and doing another. I'm disappointed in the right. I'm disappointed in the Supreme Court. I'm disappointed in the three names at the bottom of my screen. Two of them are state senators in Wisconsin, uh, Von uh, Wangard and Robin Voss. One of them is a U.S. Senator, Ron Johnson. All of their, their phone numbers, if you want to ca- contact them and leave a message on your thoughts and your feelings about the overturning of Roe v. Wade, go ahead. And I, I get you know, people are pointing at saying, hey, it's the state's decision now. The state decides what they want to do, and that's how it should have been all along. No, again, it's medical freedom. We have the right to decide what we want to do for ourselves medically. That's our choice. And even with the whole vaccine thing, you still had your right to get vac- vaccinated or not. There are consequences, if you don't, by private businesses. But, <clears throat> again, it was your own personal decision. Um the Supreme Court, yeah, they put it back in hands of the states where these states have been planning this for a while, too, um, by passing laws that if it was ever um, overturned, we were going to uh, ban it. That's what a number of states did. And the state of Wisconsin, their uh, abortion ban, the, the law that now is going to govern the state of Wisconsin, it's been a law since 1849. A lot of things have changed since 1849, and when a special session of the uh, of the assembly or Congress, uh, the state assembly was called into session, it got gaveled in and gaveled out in 15 seconds. So that's how much Van Wangard and Robin Voss and Ron Johnson want to actually govern on the issue. You know, it's should have stayed federal law. It didn't, but now we need to, you know. Make sure our voices and our our choices matter in November. And I think one of the biggest reasons the right and the Supreme Court decided to make the ruling on this matter now is because they're fairly certain that come November, there's going to be a a landslide in conservative um, pro-Trump representatives being elected, and they think it's going to happen no matter what. So we're going to go ahead and make this ruling now, and we're not going to have uh, consequences to our actions. And I, I hope that people show 
um, the right, the consequences to their actions. You know, hubris, that's basically what's going on right now. It's hubris, and they think they've already won the midterms. They think they're going to win in a landslide in the midterms. And this is the issue that hopefully will swing it back in the way of the left. And I'm also, you know, I've talked about being disappointed in the right. I'm also disappointed in the left, too. Because we've had, you know, 1970s, this was passed in uh, Roe v. Wade was uh, uh, decided on in the in the in the uh, Supreme Court. And we've had the Clinton administration, the Carter administration, the Obama administration, and now the Biden administration to work on passing legislation that strengthens that ruling of Roe v. Wade and protecting you know, women's right to choose and medical freedom. We've had chances to to strengthen that and nobody ever did it. So that's my stance on it. And for those that think, you know, the stick to sports because my opinion doesn't line up with yours, this is my platform. I can say what I want and you have your choice of listening or not. Um, I encourage you to listen. That's your choice. You have that right to choose to listen to my show or not listen to my show. Kind of funny how that works. You know, people should have their right to choose medically what they want to do as well. So with that, now I'm going to keep the ticker going um, for my show. If you do want to contact, um, you know, these are just Wisconsin representatives. I live in Wisconsin. Um, These are the people that hopefully are going to get voted out unfortunately doubtful but i'm going to try to you know support the people running against them to get these people out of office so we can get people in office that are going to actually govern the will of the people and the will of the people supports roe v wade it supports women's right to choose that's the majority in this country you poll it majority of people support roe v wade and i bet you that when we poll um people's thoughts on a Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, majority of the people are going to be opposed to SCOTUS's decision. So moving on to sports. Brewers, Packers, Bucks. So I'm going to start with the Brewers. And unfortunately, the Brewers had a tough one in Toronto uh, with Toronto yesterday, losing nine to four. Um, Adrian Hauser struggled again, and he's been struggling his past couple outings. And uh, Adrian Hauser, um, unfortunately, um, this is Adrian Hauser every year. He he goes through a stretch where he struggles. He has one bad inning, and then he settles down. It happened last Sunday. It happened yesterday. Unfortunately, that's what we see with Adrian Hauser. Um, there's going to be a stretch coming up now. Maybe his next starting his next start, maybe two starts from now, where he's going to be one of the more dependable guys in the starting rotation, kind of how he started the season, where he looked like he was one of the more dependable guys in the starting rotation. And that's likely going to happen when you got guys like um, Brandon Woodworth coming off the IL. He'll start this upcoming week, probably the next series after Toronto, um, Tampa Bay. Brewers head out, head down to Tampa Bay uh, for two games and then the Pirates for um, four games. So he'll likely between the, either Tampa Bay or Pittsburgh, uh, Woody will be back in the um, the starting rotation, and that's going to bump um, that's going to bump Hauser down a peg in the rotation. Ashby's going to be back soon too. That might bump him down as well. Right now, unfortunately, Adrian Hauser is being asked to do what he's not, and that's to be a number two pitcher. 
a number two or number three pitcher. You know, in a perfect world, he's a number three or number four. And the Brewers rotation, he's a four or five. Because you have your Corbin Burns, you have your Woody, you have your Freddie Peralta, you have your Eric Lauer, you have your Hauser. And that's t- that's how it should be. Uh, maybe Lauer and Hauser, you can flip-flop between that four and that five spot. But that's how the rotation should be. And now you're asking Hauser to be a number two guy. That's not who he is. Um, he's best served in that that three or four or five type role. And maybe when you get Woody back and Ashby back and you can start putting the rotation how you want it, maybe we get to see um, Hauser, Hauser go through that stretch that we know he can go through. He does it a lot. He'll go through five, six, seven starts in a row coming up where he looks nearly unhittable. He, uh, he almost threw a no-hitter last year against Pittsburgh. I think he, he lost it in the seventh or the bullpen lost in the seventh. I can't remember exactly, or maybe it was the eighth, but Hauser is who he is. And as I said, he's best served as the number four or five guy in the rotation. Unfortunately, he's being asked to be put in a role due to injuries that he can't, he's not, um, not really shouldn't be his place. And the Brewers, unfortunately, in this homestand right now are airing their ugly heads. The, the runners in scoring position where they struggle. Um, they had chances to blow the game open against the Cardinals on Monday. They did win two to nothing, but they had chances to blow the game open. They didn't. Um, they had chances to blow the game open on Tuesday numerous times, and they lost six to two. Couldn't get that big hit. They lost five to four on Wednesday. Again, numerous opportunities to blow the game open with one hit away from taking a big lead. They couldn't. And they beat the Cardinals six to four on Thursday. Well, guess what? Same thing. They, they, they should have swept the Cardinals in reality. The Brewers should have swept the Cardinals, but they struggled to get hits to runners in scoring position. Um, the offense is good overall. It's the situational offense that struggles. And that's been my, my thought on the offense all along. Guys can get on base, but then we can't get them in base because we're looking for that big hit all the time and not just putting the ball in play. And I'm not saying bunt. I'm not a big bunt person. Because typically, you know, if, you know, the bunts can end up hurting you, um, you're basically giving away an out. I'm just talking about just put the ball in play, you know, um, beat the shift, put it where defenders aren't, try to put the ball into the outfield and try to, you know, play station to station baseball sometimes. But it seems like the Brewers want to swing for the fences and crush it over the wall and, I know that's what baseball is nowadays, launch angle and hit it over the fence and things like that. But with the team the Brewers have, let's just put the ball in play and see what happens with it. They got speed. Urias is quick. Adamas is quick. Yelich is quick. Um, McCutcheon still has some wheels. And they got power. Nevaez has power. Telez has power. Adamas has power. Urias has power. Tyrone Taylor showing power, and he's has quickness. Jace Peterson has some quickness. So let's use let's play to all our advantages. That that's all I'm saying. And unfortunately, Yelich, there was a moment back in 2018, 2019 when Christian Yelich came to bat, and it was must-watch TV. Um, and bait, you know, bases loaded, one out, nobody out, the bottom of the ninth, top of the ninth, whatever. Um, two men on, one run game, a base hit's going to win you the game. There was, situ- there was a couple years back, like I said, 2018, 2019, where it was must-see TV 
And as Yelich has been much improved in that leadoff spot um, since being put in that leadoff spot, Christian Yelich has done nothing but produce, getting base hits, getting on base, um, setting the offense up to have success. He's not, unfortunately, he went from being must-watch TV to might as well turn the TV off um, if, if it's a potential game-winning hit or not. Just turn the TV off. It doesn't matter to watch it anymore. But in Yelich's last 15 games, he's got a 317 average, a 406 on base, and a 450 slugging. His last seven, 308 average, 438 on base, 385 slugging. So since being put in that leadoff spot, Christian Yelich has been amazing um, with base hits. He just hasn't been able to produce uh, and score runs. He's got five RBIs in his last 15, six RBIs in his last 30, and three RBIs in his last seven. And he's had his chances to have even more RBIs than that. He had a chance to win the game on Wednesday. A base hit, an extra base hit wins you the game. A home run clearly wins you the game. But he just, he couldn't do it. And I do think you want to leave Yelich in um, the leadoff spot when Colton Wong comes back. And maybe put Colton Wong down at nine um, or something. But I think you leave Yelich at that one spot for right now because he's he's flourishing in that spot until he can look until he can look like he can be that run producer that he once was. You leave him in that slot. Um, you know that that's just uh, you know my thought on the matter, and I could be wrong. It wouldn't be the first, and it won't be the last. And um, I, you ask most people, I'm wrong a lot, but. You know, like yesterday, Yelich went two for three on base five times with two RBIs, stolen base. Um, St. Louis on the 23rd, one for two with two walks with a run scored. Two for five on the 22nd with a run scored and an RBI. Unfortunately, he just couldn't get the big hit in the ninth inning. But I'm not overreacting about the Brewers. The Brewers are fine. They're going to be fine. Um, Baseball is a game of ebb and flows. And we know this, and people know this. People just want to overreact on every pitch, every hit, every extra base hit, every run. People want to overreact. And Brewers have two more against the Blue Jays with Corbin Burns on the hill today. Hopefully Corbin Burns and Cy Young Burns, and we can get some runs on the board, and we can win that game. Um, uh, CC Gonzalez on the hill tomorrow, I believe. Um, hopefully he has a better start than his initial start. And then we got Tampa Bay Tuesday and Wednesday. And then we got Pittsburgh. So if we can get uh, through today and tomorrow with a couple wins, uh, split against Tampa Bay, then we got four against Pittsburgh. We should take two or th- uh, three or four easily. Pittsburgh, not a very good team. And then we got three against the Cubs, the July 4th, uh, July 5th, July 6th. And then we get Pittsburgh again. So ideally with the, the Pitt Pirates, the Cubs, and Pirates on the horizon. There's no reason why the Brewers shouldn't string together um, some series wins and some uh, uh, a nice little winning streak here. Because the Cubs and the Pirates are not very good team. And the thing is, you got to win games you're supposed to. And I, I know the Brewers beat the bad teams and lose against the good teams. But the thing is, you got to beat the teams that are in front of you, and you got to beat your. You got to win your divisional games, and they're doing that. They're six and six against the Cardinals in the division and over 500 against everybody else. That's fine for right now. And hopefully down the road, we can add a bat or two and the offense can figure things out and they can start scoring some runs and beating teams like Toronto or Tampa Bay or New York or um, the Dodgers and things like that. 
It's not, it's about getting hot. Baseball is about getting hot at the right time. Did you honestly think at this point last year, the Atlanta Braves would go on to win the world series? Did you honestly think this time back in 2019, the uh, Washington nationals were going to win the world series? It's about getting hot at the right time. And the Brewers can tread some water right now, get healthy, hopefully stay healthy. Cause now Hunter Renfro is, uh, I guess, dealing with some injury. Um, and I'm not sure what the lineup looks like today. I haven't seen it come out yet. Um, should come out pretty soon, being that it's 1.30 and it's a 3.10 start. But um, hopefully they can get that, you know, get guys healthy, keep people healthy. Um, that would be definitely very helpful um, to do for Milwaukee. And, yeah, the lineup's not out quite yet. So, I, I, as I mentioned, that should be coming out soon. Um, the Brewers line up today, today, this afternoon. Um, and finally, I'm not, not going to get the Packers today, um, Milwaukee Bucks. So kind of an interesting week for the Milwaukee Bucks. It starts with, um, well, first of all, I, and Disney Plus, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, his new movie's out I'm, uh, on his family. I'm excited to check that out at some point in the next couple days if I can. Um, Pat Connaughton decides he's going to opt in. Um, and I knew Pat C was coming back regardless of what he did. Uh, I just assumed he was going to opt out and then sign a long-term deal with a three, four year deal with the bucks to get a little bit more money. Um, that's what I figured he would do, but instead he opts in and he's going to cost the bucks very little money this season, which is good. They don't have a lot to spend. Now we wait on Bobby Portis. Portis is likely opting out. And then he'll likely sign a longer-term deal with the Bucks. That's what I expect to happen. Um, P.J. Tucker is a free agent again. No, I don't necessarily want P.J. Tucker back. I'm sure he's looking for quite a bit of money, and he's probably going to want to play, you know, like with his buddy Kevin Durant um, at this point. That's where I expect P.J. Tucker to go, wherever Kevin Durant ends up, likely still in Brooklyn. That's where I expect P.J. Tucker to go. And I appreciate what P.J. Tucker brought to Milwaukee after he was traded during the championship season. He taught Milwaukee how to be champions, how to be dogs, how to fight, how to grind, how to show grit. And it showed a lot during this regular season. Unfortunately, they were undermanned against Boston, and they lost to Boston in seven without Middleton. And if we end up seeing um, Middleton in the NBA in the uh, Boston series healthy, they get by Boston. I have no reason why they don't get by Miami. And with a healthy Middleton, I think they beat Golden State. I talked about that last week on the Watt. Um, but fortunately, it didn't happen. But um, I, I don't think the Bucks need to break the bank for P.J. Tucker. I was fine they didn't break the bank for Tucker last, uh, last offseason as much as I would have liked him to come back. I know I'm in the super, 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 super minority there. Um, and I'm probably going to be in the extreme minority this time. And probably caught an idiot and a moron um, for not begging and pleading for PJ to come back. They don't need PJ Tucker anymore. They were a healthy Chris Middleton away from beating Boston. If Middleton plays, they beat Boston. If Middleton plays, they beat Miami. If Middleton plays, healthy is a key word. I think they beat Golden State. So the Bucks' big three is fine enough. What they need is to find better, uh, better and more consistent supporting people. Um, Connaughton, hopefully he takes another leap. He's been improving every year the past few years. Bobby Portis has shown improvement since coming to Milwaukee. 
um, going into year three. Maybe he takes another jump. Lopez is going to be healthy all year long instead of playing in the first game and then missing almost the entire season before coming back. Um, Grayson Allen needs to show more consistency. Um, and Bucks need to get some uh, pieces um, with the supporting cast and maybe hope Wara takes that next step, which I honestly don't think he ever will. He's a guy that's never met a shot he didn't want to take, but can't play a lick of defense and can't be in the position he's supposed to be in. And that's where I like, and I'm transitioning now. That's where I like the Bucks draft pick. Um, Bochamp, Bochamp, um, Majan Bochamp, they got um, out of, you know, they drafted him at 24th overall. He's about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he, uh, wing, wingspan is about seven feet. He's a, def- a plus defender already at 21. He has a lot of grit. He knows uh, he's a guy that's going to bring the energy, bring the effort every time he's on the floor. And early on, there's not going to be a lot of minutes for him as he's getting accustomed to the NBA. It's going to be up to him to earn and fight and scratch and crawl and claw his way for extra minutes, extra point time. But he's a guy that seems like he can do it. And I like him. I like, I don't know a lot about him, but I like what I see from him. I guess in he's a, He's an above-average defender coming in. He's going to be able to switch. He's going to be able to, you know, I, I don't, I feel comfortable if you want to put him on, you know, one of the better offensive players on the other team for a few minutes. I don't think he's going to be overmanned and outmuscled too much. He's big, six-six with a wingspan of seven feet, nearly seven-one wingspan, and he has range to put up resistance all over the floor. He can obviously put on some more muscle at 200 pounds, but I think he's a guy that could um, um, play well. He committed two, only 2.4 fouls per 36 minutes with the Ignite. If he can do that at the NBA level, he's going to be a guy who can keep on the floor, strong rebounder. He had 7.3 rebounds per game, second on the team. Um, so you're, he's a guy, you don't need him for offense right now. And you may never need him for offense, but he's a guy who can rebound, play defense. If he can know where he's supposed to be on the floor and when and when to uh, not be there to keep things open for your Giannis, your Middleton, your your Holiday, that's what they need. And Grayson Allen was abused against Boston. Boston exploited him on defense. They went after him. They targeted him. And it was not good at all for Grayson Allen on defense and this is a guy that maybe both champ can uh take those some of those minutes from allen and be that defender on the floor um west matthews may be back george hill is going to be back maybe he can fight by the end of the year maybe he can fight some of their minutes away but the big thing is though bud's going to have to go against the grain he went against the grain in 2021 by being more of a switching defense when they had the personnel in the playoffs at times instead of doing the drop defense. Um, but Bud needs to if Bud needs to be more open to playing younger guys. And this is a guy that I don't think is going to look lost on the court playing alongside Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday. So I like the pick. I like the potential there. Am I expecting him to be a, an instant impact playmaker? No. But we don't need him to be. He doesn't have to be. All he needs to do is fit into his role and play his role extremely well. Something that Jordan Wara does not want to do. 
I don't know if I, I guess maybe saying he does not want to do is unfair. Maybe he can't do it. Maybe Jordan Wara can't play his role because he can't because he's he's limited in certain areas. So with that said, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um gonna have another show probably Monday, talk about um the weekend, Tuesday, Wednesday at the latest, um, give some updates uh, in the world of sports. And with that. Thank you all. Contact your Congress people. Um, let them know if you're like me. Let them know how pissed off you are at the decisions that the Supreme Court took, and especially for Robin Voss and Van Wangard, that you want to see um, action taken to modify a law that is now in the books that has dated as 1849 here in the state of Wisconsin. With that, make sure to watch Racine Raider football on YouTube uh, later today, and I'll get back at you later.